time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. Stay tuned, because it's on now. The Tom Sumner Program. I'm United States Surgeon General Jerome Adams, America's doctor. And all across our nation, we've taken steps together to slow the spread of coronavirus. Now we must continue to take personal responsibility to protect ourselves and our loved ones. Because even though not all of us risk a severe case of coronavirus, we all risk getting it and spreading it to others, maybe without even realizing that we're sick. So if we want to get back to school, back to work, back to worship, and back to overall health. There are things our country needs to do. We need to follow state and local guidelines, take extra precautions if at higher risk, wash our hands frequently, stay six feet from others when we can, and when we can't stay six feet from others, please, I'm begging you, wear a face covering. These small actions will make a big difference. So I'm asking you to say it with me, America. Coronavirus stops with me. You can learn more at coronavirus.gov. Produced by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services at taxpayer expense. I know this is a really hard time for everyone. We're facing a killer virus, economic pain, and all the frustrations of being cooped up at home. Believe me, I have two teenagers to deal with. But the worst thing we can do is let up now, triggering a second coronavirus wave that causes more death and economic chaos. What you're doing is working. You're saving lives. So let's all hang in there, and please, stay home and stay safe. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. It's time now for Armchair Politics. Join host Tom Sumner for this weekly reality check on current events in local, state, and national politics, and the real issues that really matter. You, too, can be part of Armchair Politics Find us on Facebook. We let the dogs off their leash. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner program. Joining me for today's inauguration uh, edition of the uh, Armchair Politics, we have uh, our Roundtable regulars on the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Paul, welcome. Good morning. Good to be here. And on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican, Henry Hatter. Henry, welcome. Thank you, Tom. And joining our uh, roundtable regulars is uh, a frequent contributor to the show, Politico Emeritus, Woodrow Stanley. Hi, Wood. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Morning, Wood. Well, you? you know, a lot of times I, I uh, 
I have a list of things to talk about. I'll be surprised if we get to them all because there are so many things to talk about. But we oh, always, yeah. <laughs> we always start with a uh, with a few quotes in uh, in this one. I wanted to make sure we opened with this before we get caught up with the stuff that's going on today. Um, the uh, the first quote is is the one where I ask, "How would you finish this quote?" And the quote is, we must accept finite disappointment, but what? Hmm. But infinite possibilities? But keep moving. Keep what? moving. Boy, that's a... Um, go, go ahead, Wood. What, what, how would you no, finish? No, I, I, it sounds so familiar. Well, and, and it should, um, because it's by one of the most quoted people of the 20th century. The original quote is, we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. Mm. 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 Okay. Uh, Churchill? No, it was MLK. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. And I wanted to to squeeze in a quote from from Dr. King, because it was... Yeah, that's right. We acknowledged his birthday on Monday. Um quote of the week is, uh, this is uh, interesting, Um, our goal is to be prepared to ensure that what happened at the U.S. Capitol never ever happens here. Mm, Governor Whitmer. Whitmer. It would be easy to, to guess Whitmer because we're in Michigan and Michigan is one of the states that there was concern about uh, some sort of shenanigans today, and, and we'll see what happens. But that was uh, Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir on Friday um, declared, yeah. we're not going to be bullied in the wake of last week's riots at the U.S. Capitol and fears of further violence in state capitals. Um, and, and, and this is kind of an appropriate question, I think, for today, given that there are 25,000 National Guardsmen in the uh, nation's capital, can insurrection be curbed by preparation? No. I think it can be curbed. I think you can, certainly if we had had more troops there two weeks ago, you might have had a different outcome. The issues are still there, though. Go ahead, Wood. I was going to say the word that I would use, Tom, wouldn't be curbed because... I think that troops wouldn't necessarily curb it. Curb it suggests uh, to me that we would get to it way early on in, in this development. It could be thwarted by military uh, preparation uh, to some extent. Curbing, I think, requires a lot more intervention early on in the process. So you think it it uh, it wouldn't necessarily get people to stay between the lines? Uh, uh, well, I, as I said, I just wouldn't possibly use the word as a curbing. Because I think that curbing suggests to me that we would we would get to it way early in the process uh, and do some things that we we should have been doing where it wouldn't have been an insurrection, but I know that's, that's probably coming a little bit later on uh, in terms of the discussion. But I think we, we, we what's, what's uh, has come out now and, and a lot more is going to come out 
uh, as this um, process goes on the investigation is that there were so many misassignments. I mean, so many misassignments. And, 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 and we're not going to be comfortable, I think, when we learn uh, where all of the fingerprints were. Yeah, I think you're right about that, Wood. Yeah. You know, it, it, the media is certainly making, um, you know, making it all about Trump and the way that he poured gas on the fire the morning of the uh, two weeks ago of the uh, breach at the Capitol. But the more we find out, the more we find that, you know, that that was in the works long before that day. Yeah, does it sound like there was some planning, clearly, in terms of what they brought to the to the to the events of two weeks ago, and the uh, the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo kids and all that. I mean, clearly, it wasn't just a mad mob that, that stormed the Capitol. There's a lot of serious uh, appears to be a lot of serious thought and planning went into that process. Well, here's here's a quote for you. It's been the worst week of my life. I didn't want to be in a position where I'm having to decide whether to impeach a president of my own party, but I think the assault on the Capitol was very much a watershed moment for me. Um, uh, Mike, Mike Pence? No, that that was a senator. I think it, it was, was a I mean, McConnell. I don't think he said something. No, it was McConnell. Oh, no, 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 that was Meyer. Yep, that Meyer? It, yep, it was. Yeah. It was when uh, U.S. Representative Peter Meyer was sworn into office January 3rd. He was eager to get to work on the policy priorities he championed on the campaign trail here in Michigan, promoting e economic freedom, individual liberty, and... Uh, combating the uh, coronavirus pandemic. Instead, just three days later, the first-term Republican congressman from Grand Rapids found himself in an almost unimaginable situation, unimaginable situation fleeing the House gas chamber, or uh, fleeing the, it was almost a gas chamber, <laughs> gas mask in hand after a violent mob of President Donald Trump's supporters charged into the U.S. Capitol in an attempt to overturn the 2020 presidential election. How will Meyer's impeachment vote affect him going forward? Well, I don't know. Henry may have a better answer there, but I, I mean, Grand Rapids area is changing a bit, so I, and... I mean, Justin Amish didn't survive his vote for impeachment, but I'm not so sure that it's going to be all that fatal for him. What do you think, Henry? Yeah, I, I think it's pretty dangerous. He has to to decide whether he's going to protect the Myers empire or whether he's going to uh, accept responsibility for being uh, the congressman in the third district. And uh, people already say that he's out of touch because he's rich and he's, uh, he's in party circles, and he's untouchable. So, and, they, and there's a fear that people begin to overwhelmingly boycott Myers Industries. So it's something for him to think about, and I, I can't go further than that. He has to decide that. Well, it's probably a foregone conclusion, but the one thing that we do know is he's going to have a primary. So that, that's 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 one thing we could probably say for certainty, but but uh, 
someone said that uh, that's Justin Amash's uh, old uh, district. And Justin wasn't uh, the – I served with him uh, for a term in the, in the legislature, and he, he wasn't your typical Republican. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, over there. Yeah, that's yet to be determined. I was going to say that every, uh, at least Myers has got one advantage. Everybody in the state's got a plastic bag with his name on it someplace, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but once he, he's also got out there uh, leveraged is that business empire that he has a tender. You know, it's funny. You has to because it's funny you mentioned the the Meyer brand there, uh, Paul, because I remember when uh, Al Kogel ran for the Mott Community College Board of Trustees, and at the various polling places there were these Kogel signs. People were walking up to to the the, the poll workers, thinking that they were giving away free hot dogs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, Santino Guerra, the youngest person ever elected to the Flint City Council, says he has tested positive for COVID-19. Guerra, who was 19 when he was elected to the council from the Third Ward in 2017, announced in a brief news release on Friday he had contracted coronavirus. I have tested positive for COVID-19, Guerra said in a written statement. I'm experiencing moderate symptoms and will be quarantining until I fully recover. In the interim, constituents and other may contact the City Council office at 766-7418 for assistance. I ask residents to continue to take the virus seriously and stay safe. Is Gera's infection a reminder that COVID-19 can attack anyone? Yeah, he's, he's, yeah. he's the youngest person on the council, I believe, isn't he? He's yeah. A long shot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Nobody's exempt. In fact, wasn't he just when he first got elected? Wasn't he just eighteen or nineteen? I think I forgot exactly. Nineteen yeah, okay. when he was elected 19, yeah. out of high school. Yeah, because I went to some of his fundraisers. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, he's uh, gone to college while serving uh, on the council, and and uh, now I think he's uh, working over at the uh, sheriff's office. Yeah, I think he got a degree in criminal justice, I believe, or something related to that area. I just graduated this past year, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, um, we just have about a minute before we go to break, so I don't want to dig down too much on something uh, something else. But, uh, but I will mention that uh, the inauguration is going on today, and uh, it will happen just, just as we leave the air. Um, President-elect Biden will take the oath and become President Biden. And uh, I should have probably pulled up one of those sound bites from from yesterday, but uh, well, maybe we'll have a couple of those coming up. But in the meantime, you're listening to us uh, on WFOV 92.1 LPFM in Flint. They are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my good friend Paul Herring. And we're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. But then we'll be right back with more armchair politics on the Tom Sumner Program. 
Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Thank you, and thank you all for tuning in. You know, we know that tough times don't last, but tough people do. We've been through a lot here in Michigan. We've been through crisis before, where the country needed their countrymen and countrywomen to pitch in collectively to get through a crisis and rise to the occasion. Michigan once was the arsenal of democracy to win World War II. We need that same spirit now. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals and first responders to stop the spread and to save lives. But we need your help too. The state has launched a new volunteer website at www.michigan.gov forward slash fight COVID-19 where trained medical professionals can register to serve their fellow Michiganders by assisting hospitals in fighting COVID-19. State residents can also use the site to find out how they can help in their local communities by giving blood or donating resources or needed medical supplies. Whether you're a medical professional looking to volunteer or you're someone who can give blood or donate to your local food bank, everyone can help out. To get through this, we must all do our part. Stay home, stay safe, and save lives. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. 
Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get Tom through it. Summer. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, Armchair Politics continues now on the Tom Sumner Program with uh, Woodrow Stanley joining our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, as we talk about local, state, and national uh, news and politics and current events. Uh, Genesee County is experiencing a vaccine shortage due to a high demand, but intends to vaccinate seniors and critical workers as more doses become available. All vaccines allocated to the county by the state are distributed and no appointments were available as of Monday, according to a news release from the Genesee County Health Department. The department has been inundated by phone calls since announcing it was vaccinating health care workers. According to the release, the department's website will update its appointment schedule every Monday between 5 and 6 p.m., according to the website. Is it ironic that a vaccine made in Michigan is in sh- short supply in a Michigan county? <laughs> That's true, yeah. you got to follow the money. <laughs> yeah, good point, Henry. <laughs> right. Um, one thing I did want to mention, the um, uh, city of Flint has agreed to place two millage renewals on the May ballot. And the Genesee County Board of Commissioners could also place a proposal to renew the existing telephone surcharge that supports an emergency 911 service. Uh, They'll put that on the ballot for all voters countywide at the same time. The County Board of Commissioners delayed adding the emergency dispatch request in a meeting this week, and Board Chairman Mark Young said the issue will likely be taken up again when uh, the board meets January 27th, the Flint City Council approved putting the public safety and mass transit renewals on the ballot during its meeting Monday. Uh, are these renewals likely to pass? Uh, I like uh, the, uh, the service from telephone emergency services. I, I think that that's needed, and I think that people ought to continue that process. And renewals generally do have a pretty good chance of passing, so above above and beyond the individual merits of them, uh, simply being a renewal does give it a big advantage, I think. And it's beneficial. Yeah. We we around here just uh, rarely, as you know, Paul, do we uh, uh, turn down a renewal. Yeah, yeah. Once they're in, they're in almost. But those things are beneficial for the people who are in the most need of those kind of services in in, in time events that other people can't fulfill. Sure. But I think it's, and, and all of the public pays for it. I, I think it's a good thing. Well, the governor's office on Thursday announced new caps on how much the state will pay for criminal defense fees 
for current or former state employees charged in connection with the Flint drinking water crisis as the state's total criminal and civil legal bill uh, arising from the catastrophe has topped $52.6 million. The office of Governor Gretchen Whitmer revealed the new caps and legal reimbursement policy as Attorney General Dana Nessel brought new charges in connection with the lead poisoning of Flint's drinking water and deadly outbreaks of Legionnaire's disease in the Flint area, which officials say are related. Among those charged, of course, are uh, former Governor Rick Snyder, who faces two misdemeanor counts of willful neglect of duty, and former Department of Health and Human Services Director Nick Lyon, who is charged with nine counts of involuntary manslaughter. The state has already paid millions in criminal defense fees for both men as well as many other current and former state employees. Lyon had been uh, charged previously by former Attorney General Bill Schuette, but Nessel dropped all outstanding charges in June of 2019 and launched a new and expanded investigation. Is it a good idea to cap criminal defense money for current and former state officials? Well, why not? They get capped for everybody else. <clears throat> right? Mm. Depend on, uh, on their ability to pay. It may also depend upon the sheer number of defendants you have, too. I mean, if uh, if you have one defendant or a dozen, it could change the amount of money we're talking about as well. Well, yeah. you know, the, 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 this whole, uh, I, and I'm not, you know, I sort of <clears throat> uh, not sure about the, the capping piece, but just this whole notion of the amount of litigation undertaken against public entities um, I think you have to put it in that context because I, I know, I mean, I, I don't know from what someone told me. I know from the number of times that I uh, was sued. Uh, and and in most instances, they were frivolous lawsuits. Now, I'm separating that from the city of Flint, but uh, this, this whole notion of camping. Now, when, when, when a, a public official is derelict and they're found to be derelict, I think that's a whole different matter but remember this and i think everybody on this call knows this that there is a mindset by a lot of people to sue public entities it's just mm -hmm. that it, yeah. there are lawyers yeah. there are lawyers there are lawyers whose primary practice yeah. and i know a few of them here whose primary practice is suing um public entities yeah so you know, because I, they I, have the deep pockets. They have the deep pockets. You go after the deep pockets. But I, I think if, if you leave public officials too exposed, it's going to discourage anybody from running for office or getting involved. Yeah, yeah I have. So I, I, I understand the balance there. I have real mm -hmm. mixed emotions about this because it, it it becomes very complicated. You want the best people to serve in elected and appointed positions, and you want to offer them some defense against what, you know, as, as Woodrow pointed to, um, some frivolous lawsuits, and of course attorneys are running around assuming that government has deep pockets. Um, I, I, I feel like that's something that should exist, but then I get really confused by the fact that we're funding two sides of the fight mm -hmm. 
We're funding yeah. the prosecution. We're funding the defense. And the we is us because the money isn't the government's money. It's our money. But that's the people's right. Both sides need to be heard. Both sides need to be funded equally. It should be parity. And there's a, there's a moat beyond which uh, the state should look at. That's interesting, um, Henry, because I, the money. because I, I, I don't think of it, I, I don't always think of it in terms of balancing. You know, it's, it's um, we pay out money to prosecute, we pay out money to defend. In the same cases, it feels like we're funding both sides of the fight. And, you know, that all comes from public dollars. And, and it, it just seems... Um, it's it's a real confusing mess to me. Well, of course, we, we do that with a public defender for criminal cases, too. We're paying for the prosecution and, at least for, for public defenders, for the, for the criminal defense. So it, it applies in other things. But but as I say, I, I mean, I, I, I certainly think that many of the charges seem justified here with the water issue. But I, there is the issue about if you open the door to everything... And there's no defense. There's no no support for defense. I can see a lot of folks saying, "I'm not going to get involved because if I make a mistake, I'm going to be open to a lawsuit." Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I guess it's harder to to relate to. Um, you know, we think of uh, people who are appointed attorneys as not having the resources to provide our own, and it and it it looks different. The optics are different when we're putting the money up to someone who has resources, like yeah. like former Governor Rick Snyder. Right, right. Interesting. Tough um, choice, it is. On, it is. Uh, on, on a similar, uh, well, on a related note, Rich Baird has resigned from his position as a regent at Eastern Michigan University. The university announced Friday in a letter to Board of Regents Chair Eunice Jeffries, Baird submitted his resignation effective immediately after being one of several individuals charged in the Flint Water case. Baird, a former senior advisor and transformation leader to former Governor Rick Snyder, was charged with perjury during an investigative subpoena examination, misconduct in office, obstruction of justice, and extortion related to the Flint Water case, court documents show. Is this a surprise? Well, it's the right thing to do if he was charged for perjury and changing data. If you are changing scientific data and fabricating it, that is unforgivable in the eyes of the public, no matter well, who not, you are. It's not a surprise that he would resign his post at uh, Eastern Michigan um, a Board of uh, Regents or Trustees. Wouldn't so somebody would wouldn't somebody uh, hold off on resigning from a position like that until they were actually convicted? I you know uh, it depends. I mean you know it it depends, it, and and a lot of it is the folks uh, there at the university and, and donors and the like. Uh, yeah. So uh, <clears throat> it, it may not always be your decision if someone <laughs> says, "Hey, that's true." If, Remember, the person who facilitated his appointment is no longer in power. 
You know, I, I wonder whether he would consider taking a leave of absence of some kind until <laughs> until a, a trial or a verdict was, was rendered of some kind. Yeah, yeah. Well, there were there were comments uh, in in the piece on uh, M Live uh, about he and some of his fellow regents being concerned about the reputation of the college and so on, oh. and drawing attention to it. And and he said, and frankly, it's going to take my this this whole legal battle is going to take my attention away from my duties there. Hmm. Well, maybe it's maybe it's a, a fairly honest decision then. Well, I was I I have to admit to to being a little surprised. Usually, you don't see uh, resignations of of this kind, and unless uh, convictions happen, and and very often it's the organization mm-hmm. that that makes the decision. Yeah. 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 Well, Michigan. A little law- unusual. Michigan lawmakers aren't meeting for session at the Capitol this week in light of expected protests and credible threats in downtown Lansing ahead of President-elect Joe Biden's inauguration. In a joint statement, Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirky and House Speaker uh, Jason Wentworth said they made the call after Michigan State Police and House and Senate sergeants at arms expressed concern over credible threats regarding events scheduled to take place at and around the state capitol this week. With uh, no votes scheduled on the calendar, we have decided to act in an abundance of caution by not holding session in either the House or the Senate January 19th through the 21st, they said. We hope everyone stays safe and respects the peaceful transition of power, and we hope legislators and staff at the Capitol take time to thank the team of police officers and sergeants who work together to keep us all safe. The decision comes as local and state officials and law enforcement prepare for demonstrations outside the Michigan Capitol building leading up to Biden's inauguration today. Uh, was this a wise decision? Well, give, given the history of Michigan, we've certainly had our incidents here, so I would guess... Well, I think it was overplayed. I think that we expected our country to make this peaceful transition as it as it has for 242 years, and I predicted that, guys. This is not going to be something that was going to be haphazard. But we're a nation of laws, and what you see today is exactly what ha- should be happening, and it is happening. And we put all of these troops up around the White House, and we sealed off our leaders and containments and ramparts and bunkers and stuff like that away from the people. That doesn't look good. Well, I guess I may be the only person that's uh, been in the uh, state capitol when there's been a of of uh, armed militia members uh, in the gallery surrounding the capitol. Uh, parading around in their vehicles and so forth, and and that was that was it seems like centuries ago, uh, and it didn't feel good. So I I think that uh, the decision not to hold session uh, was a wise decision. This is, you know, Michigan has a dubious distinction of being uh, the uh, the the home state of of some of the nationally known craziest militia members 
Well, and it and would it's even being considered because of what happened at the Capitol and the threat about uh, to uh, kidnap Gretchen Whitmer. Right. That yeah. that Michigan was in some way a practice run for what happened at the Capitol two weeks ago. Sure. Well, I don't believe that. I believe that the country is stable. I think it's due to the American people and due to its laws. And you have to believe in that or the whole thing collapses. If there's not a belief in your government. Well, I think it's, I I think we can give a hat tip to, uh, uh, the Republican leadership in the in the House and Senate in Lansing, um, they may be erring on the side of caution, but they took advantage of uh, a hole in the schedule. They didn't have any votes scheduled. There wasn't any uh, urgent business, so they said, "Better safe than sorry." I think that was probably probably a good idea. Yeah, I think it was a wise decision in, in light of what happened two weeks ago. And again, this Sunday they, they had a very minimal turnout, apparently, because there were so many troops around. But you never know. There could be more but tomorrow. Can you imagine how the rest of the world is looking at the United States now? The world's only free and democratic society. <laughs> I know. That you have troops, like it's Tiananmen Square. Washington is like Tiananmen Square. I visited Tiananmen Square in 1998, <clears throat> uh, where all of the people were killed and the government turned on and just mowed them down. And uh, that's, and, and, but yet they don't have walls around that place. It's still, you can still feel like you're comfortable there, guys. And here we've walled up our, our institutions, uh, of Americans, and if it, I, I, listen, I believe that there's good Americans in every walk of life, whether it's Democrats or Republicans, whether it's black or white, whether it's men or women, whether it's immigrants or people who were born here. They are you those know, it, people who believe in stability. It might be an overreaction, and in many ways I hope it is an overreaction rather than what really happens. But again, in light of the surprise we had two weeks ago, it's hard to say that it's a bad decision, because I think We've seen too many incidents that's, that replicated what happened in Michigan and what happened in D.C. a couple of weeks ago. Can I but I believe in the Constitution, I believe in this government, and I believe in its people. Yeah, go ahead, well, Wood. I, I want to I just say this, and, and because, you know, and you all know that uh, Henry and I have some disagreements about a few things, but we're, we're great friends. But I have ne- never heard so much poppycock. Uh, come uh, from someone about where we are as what Henry just said. We are in crisis in this country, and, and, and we cannot ignore, you know, I don't blame uh, Donald Trump for creating racism in this country or necessarily creating the insurrection. You only have to look at the, the, look at the, the, the job titles, the professions of some of these folks that are being uh, charge. You know, these are not people that came from Mars or Jupiter. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have police officers, veterans, and so forth. Look, if, if, if you look at what has happened with white supremacist organizations, this is not what Joe Stanley's saying this. Look at the organizations like the Southern Poverty Law Center that track these organizations. Right. Since, since the Obama presidency, the, the membership of those organizations have skyrocketed. 
Do you, do you think that, that, that the numbers have increased or that those people came out of the closet? You know, I, I, I think that when people say, this is not who we are, I heard a commentator say, unfortunately, this is who we are. And we can't put our head in the sand. I, I think that's one of the things that I think has been so troubling about the events of two weeks ago. And we talked about this last week. Remember, Paul and Henry, we were talking with uh, Jan Worth Nelson. And I remember saying one of the things that, that is so disheartening is that, that this isn't, uh, you know, foreign terrorists or, or an attack right. by a foreign power. It's us. Yeah. And the most worrisome thing is that, at least in terms of the thing in, in Washington two weeks ago, is that it appears to be some of the police officers and military officials who at least were complicit in, in to some small degree, complicit in the, in the whole whole event. Which I think Woodrow you know, would be clo- uh, would be quick to point out that 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 shows how much this this notion of white supremacy or 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 just flat out racism has uh, seeped into all corners of of our uh, country. Guys, when you talk about white supremacy, do you know how badly you make your kids feel uh, that they have to accept the blame for what their fathers did and have to recoil from being white, like Nancy Pelosi talked about the whiteness. Well, those kids are still white, and they... They look for a future that's worthwhile living. And we are turning on our kids and eating them rather than accept responsibility for what we do. And I look at this in the classroom, I see black kids who recoil from the teaching of slavery. They don't want to stand by a white child and have them perceive them as part of a slave. That's just not in the classroom today. And there are white kids who don't want to be kind of be seen as second best, and the feeling that they have to accept the wrongs for the sins of their fathers. And we do that all the time. And we're going to have white kids as badly uh, uh, recoiling from society as our black kids and other kids. We, this is not, there's something wrong with this whole thing about race. And we have, we're deep into it, and we kind of justify it. And there's no justify. As long as the whites don't get themselves together between uh, Democrats and Republicans and leaders and non-leaders, they can't possibly lead other people. And this is a pluralistic country. They've got to pull themselves together. Remember this. Remember this. The one, of the, one of the great things that get, gives me a lot of hope about this country in terms of white kids and black kids kids that are that are my grandkids age um my oldest granddaughter is 20 um was this past summer did you see the number of young white folks out in the street that's true marching for social justice and admitting admitting henry admitting that many of them said i understand that i had because of my white skin that's my point that's my point just a second, that I have, I have gotten things that I didn't earn. I got it. Well, 
you can't you can't make kids feel that they didn't earn it because they live in a culture that brought most of what we well let me let me let me do this because we could uh, go on with this for a while and i want to go on with this some more but we have a break coming up here so let's uh let's put a comma there and uh we'll take a short break let our broadcast partner squeeze a few words in edgewise and uh for those of you streaming us at uh, TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. And then uh, we'll return with more armchair politics on the Tom Sumner Program on uh, a, a fairly historic day. We'll be right back. I apologize. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner Program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. If you are sick with COVID-19 or think you might have it, take steps to help protect other people from getting sick. Stay home except to get medical care. Call the doctor before visiting. Separate yourself from others who live with you. Wear a mask to protect others. Cover your coughs and sneezes with a tissue and clean your hands right away. Avoid sharing items with other people in your home. This includes things like towels and bedding. Be sure dishes are washed in hot water or the dishwasher before anyone else uses them. Stay aware of how you feel. If you start to have difficulty breathing or if you are worried about your health, call your doctor. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. 
The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. The Tom Sumner program.com. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner program. And welcome back, everybody. We continue now with uh, Armchair Politics. We have uh, Woodrow Stanley joining our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter. And I think just as we were going to break, Henry was about to apologize for something, and I think I cut Wood off. We were talking about um, uh, this this whole notion of um, white supremacy and, and where we're at. I was leading up to a... a uh, question that says at at one at what point given all of the things that have happened going all the way back to the Oklahoma City bombing you know in the in the name of white supremacy and and some of the uh, shootings and and things that have occurred since and of course two weeks ago at the Capitol at what point do we declare civil war mm. Oh, what has we're a long ha- way from that. Do you think so, Henry? Because that, that's the question yes, I do. have. Yes, Watching do. those events at the Capitol <clears throat> and, and the way that it's being couched by, by pundits and, and others as insurrection, as a breach of the security at the Capitol, as an attack on that branch of government, um, all of these different things. But watching the the activity when you have, you know, hundreds and and maybe thousands of people chanting hang mike pence and yeah. and the building of a gallows on the capitol grounds mm-hmm. I, I i mean those That's things who are, we are guys. those are powerful i i know but <laughs> at what point when does it actually become a declared civil war is it but you know, white supremacy you have never demonstrated that white supremacy was dominant in this country if there's a segment of people who believe in that and i live around probably 90% of them so um <clears throat> that and yet nobody's demonstrated that they pose a, a threat to me or they pose a threat to the company country they have their own ideas of what they believe. They, they probably believe that Jews and blacks are inferior. That's always been the case. And probably a lot of Americans who don't call themselves uh, white supremacists believe the same thing. So how do you distinguish between these? They are no longer, they are not a threat to the country, guys. They don't control anything. They just make noise. Well, wait, what do you think would have happened if they had gone a little further two weeks ago and actually killed Mike Pence and other members of Congress, and that they came reasonably cl- from the indications are they came fairly close to that happening. Uh, with, with well, I don't, I don't know whether they came close to that, but uh, 
they voiced their opinion. I don't, I don't know whether everybody who was in that group were uh, radical enough to kill the vice president or to shoot anybody else. Well, as they pa- make, make noise. As Paul there are pointed segments out, of people within the group. As Paul pointed out, they came physically very close to where the vice president was. Right. What they would have done if they'd have found him, I'm not sure. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. And a lot of everybody is thinking the same thing. Everybody wants to be victimized somehow. But Mike Pence stood like a trooper and said, I'm going to sit here until uh, the event is over. If you recall, he didn't move from his chair when they were all making all of this ruckus. He was the only true American for the moment that stood for what it means to be American and for it, it means Mike to be in leadership. Go ahead, Woodrow. On the 6th, it wasn't Mike Pence's decision on what he was going to do. When, when, when an activity such as that happens, it's not the individual office holder's decision on, I'm going to stay right here. No. At that point, no, this is what ha- happened, guys. This is what happened. That's, well, that, that's the facts. Well, let, let me, again, just, just say this, that, uh, number one, I'm, I'm optimistic about the new generation of young people. They, they're not believing what, what Henry is saying. Because that's not reality. What am I saying? You, you, you're saying, well, you know, this doesn't pose a threat to our country. It does, Henry. These are, the, these are people at, who are minorities. When you look at, no, well, hold on, just a second. When you look at the occupation, you see, I mean, it, 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 this is not something that, that I just believe that wasn't in existence. Because you were mayor, right? Just a second. Unfortunately, we have far too many folks who were arrested who are members of the military who, as veterans who, who are police officers and the like. Don't you believe that there's a through line between what's happening with black men and boys getting uh, killed too frequently by police officers and the rampant growth of, of these, uh, the membership of these white supremacist organizations? This is not Woodrow Stanley, the FBI. What does the FBI director say? The FBI the F- director says that the greatest, greatest terrorism threat is homegrown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's I predicted that. that for a long time, guys. This is nothing you, new. That's not what you're uh, saying. Uh, yeah. Say, but you're making judgments without the facts. And you can do that because you've been mayor. No, no, no. I've been living for 70 years. <laughs> yeah. I think m- more but, uh, you often. Know, uh, the, just, to, just to clarify, my position as president of the Clio Board of Education was as important and was weighty as your position was as mayor. And I had a bigger population to govern as president. I'm not just I'm not just talking about my lessons learned while I was mayor. I'm talking about my lessons learned from the the years that I never knew I was going to be mayor to the years since I've been mayor. All those years I've been getting up and living and, and engaging and learning. And I'm telling you this, 
that while I believe that our country is still the greatest country on the face of the earth, we have, and, 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 and when we don't acknowledge them, you know, we're doomed to see January 6th repeat itself. But we have some serious challenges, and I'm telling you this. It, you know, like today is a great day with uh, the swearing-in of a new president and the like. But still, we have some great problems that we have to grapple with, all of us, not just one group of people, but all of us. I've been invited to join virtually the inauguration, and that's what I'm doing. I'm watching the inauguration. I was invited by the inaugural committee to join us. This will be my 14th inaugural the celebration over since 1972. And I wouldn't miss this because I didn't want to make the tradition. And I said to you guys before, even before Biden was, uh, was elected as president, that I would sort of support the president once he becomes president because that's what I do. Well, you know, that's it is why I believe... As Wood says, I think we're we're heir to all of our history, both the good stuff and the bad stuff. Yeah, all the great things the country has done, we we all have inherited that. But we can't deny the negative stuff either. That it's that the racism has been there since 1619, and all those been, events that have followed. There's nobody that's been uh, subject to more racism, probably on this group, than I have. That but I've true. endured. I I I've endured yeah. it, guys. And so is my family. And, and uh, we would not trade this country for anybody's country, as bad as it is, written in the words of other people. But I accept and I accept my responsibility to make it still continue to be the free and democratic society that it needs to be. Well, to use That's your words, I don't feel good in terms of just being a citizen of the world when, when our country who are not just, we're not just the leader of America, we're the leader of the world. When our country has its citadel, its temple of democracy, um, ramshacked and uh, with nooses uh, and people screaming, hanging the vice president, that's not a proud moment for me as an American citizen. I can tell you this. I... But that's been customary for us. I don't know where you've been, but that that's customary, and we, we, you know, and we've outlived those things, and we look with hope to change things. Can someone help me? Please tell me, because Henry has just said something that I maybe I my name has been changed to Rip. When we had the capital. Broken into and ramshacked like we did on Jack. Not since 1814. Yeah, that's, that's almost unprecedented. Then that, yeah. that level. Yeah. Okay. You yeah. know, you know, there's an event Madison that keeps getting president. that keeps getting skipped over. You know, we keep talking about this hasn't happened in a hundred years, and and this maybe speaks a little bit to, to Henry's point. But there was a time in the mid 50s when. Uh, uh, yeah, Puerto Rican uh, activists uh, working towards statehood uh, stormed into the Capitol and actually fired weapons and and wounded Jerry Ford. Mm -hmm. yep. Yep. Yeah, and that that hasn't been <clears throat> talked about at all 
in the wake of this, and that surprises me a little bit. We're coming up uh, on the top of the hour, guys, and uh, our our break for uh, show ID and so forth, and then we'll come back with the second half. I want to squeeze in uh, a couple more stories from Lansing, and then we'll we'll get fully into the events of the day and the inauguration and and uh, potential impeachment and so on. Uh, but uh, but in the meantime, we are going to break for uh, show ID, and uh, we'll have the second half of Armchair Politics coming up uh, right after the top of the hour, featuring our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Politico Emeritus Woodrow Stanley. We'll have um, lots more of the show. There's there's so much going on, it's, it's going to go by way too fast, as it often does. Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 